Hello again, friends, and welcome on into episode 125 of the SCO Show. Proudly a part of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network and brought to you by the great folks at SB Nation. My name is Mark Schofield in the big chair for today, Thursday, August 13th, 2020. I feel like 125 is a big number. I know I've joked before that the Vegas odds, the over-under on this show was like 30-something. Partially in jest there. But 125, we like nice, you know, round numbers in a sense. 125, not an even number, obviously. But we like a nice, you know, solid number. This feels like a big show. And as such, it's a mailbag show. So I've basically turned over the content creation to all of you. And I got, I gotta say... I got questions from basically all over the place. So I've divided this up into football and non-football questions. We're going to spend the first half of the show doing the football stuff, second half of the show doing the non-football stuff. But before all that, the usual stuff at the outset. Follow along the Bird app at Mark Schofield. Check the work. Touchdown Wire. Matt Waldman's rookie scouting portfolio where Matt and I sat down. We dove into Justin Fields. On Wednesday afternoon. And for those of you who are Buckeyes fans or those of you that believe that Justin Fields might be the savior for your franchise, we gave you a cold dose of reality. Matt and I, not where everybody else seems to be on young Mr. Fields. We see the potential, but there's work to be done. Also, obviously, three different three different SB Nation websites, Big Blue View, Bleeding Green Nation, and right here at the pulpit. Let's get to the questions now. And as always, I'm going to drop the Twitter handles of everybody that reached out. Um, appreciate all the questions. Like I said, we're starting with the football ones. This is from Two Drink. My boy Two Drink has a great fantasy football podcast of his own. You can follow him on Twitter at FL2, the number two, Drink Minimum. Thoughts on the effects of college football being postponed to the spring? And if and how that changes the NFL timetable for the offseason, combine, pro days. And how that challenges the college football players and the challenges they could face if they don't have an offseason. Straight from spring ball to rookie minicamps. And he sneaks in the oh yeah, hashtag fins up. Because being from Florida, he is a Dolphins fan. And I, I, it's hard to see how the draft cycle is going to be the usual schedule that we're so often seen, that we've so often seen, right? For example, what does the Senior Bowl do? You know, past couple of years, I've been going down to Mobile at the end of January. How can you have a Senior Bowl when the guys in the Big Ten, the guys in the Pac-12, the guys in the MAC are playing seasons? Unless you just bring everybody that opts out and you just forge ahead. You know, the other thing is the NFL draft, they can push it back under the CBA. You have to have the draft by June 2nd. Could we get a June draft? 10 months of draft coverage? The guys at the Draft Network, I know Kyle Krabs and everybody, they're going nuts right now because they're like, look, we got 10 months to play with now. I think for the players, they face difficult decisions. If you're the aforementioned Justin Fields, what do you do? I think you have to give serious considerations just opting out. I don't know how you can play in the spring, prepare for the draft. I mean, what do you do? Do you skip a week, skip a regular season game to go to the combine? Does the NFL institute a supplemental draft just for those guys that play in the spring? 
They might have to. Do we get a supplemental combine? That might be kind of fun. Can we do it in D.C.? That might be even more enjoyable for me. But the it's hard to see how guys can go from spring football right into an NFL training camp. And it's also hard to see how guys in the Big Ten can go from playing in the spring, the underclassmen, to playing in the fall again. It's a mess. Swan Ronson at Swan Ron, S-W-A-N-R-O-N, 4274951313. I think I got those numbers right. 4274951313. Will Cam Newton connect well with the running backs? We're going to talk about that in a little bit later, too. In response to a different question. And I think so. I think that seems to be where this offense, at least with one day of training camp in, might be thinking about devoting attention and energy into the passing game via the running backs, as we'll talk about. I think if you look at Cam Newton and his body of work over time, you know, not let checkdowns and swing routes and angle routes and things like that are the easiest throws, but they're a lot easier to repeat early and often in practice is they just take quicker to run. And from sort of a mechanical standpoint, from a practice time standpoint, you can whip through a lot of those in a hurry. It's not like running a deep comeback route. It must take a little bit more time. And I know it seems silly, but we don't have a ton of practice time for these guys to get ready. And so, yeah, I think there's going to be an emphasis on getting the running backs involved early. And I think Cam Newton's going to be able to get on the same page with those guys. We got two questions from Rod Zorich at K Porson at Q U E P O R C I O N. I believe Rod is down in Chile. Always great hearing from Rod. First question is Izzo, the third T E on this roster. And I, I think by default he will be. You know, the other name that Rod throws out there as a potential different touchdown might be Jake Burt. I mean different potential tight end, excuse me. I think Izzo's longevity and experience would give him, you know, not that he's had, not that he's had a ton of time in the league with the Patriots, but I think that might give him a, a leg up in potentially winning a T two, a T three role. And so I think, yeah, Izzo's probably the guy they'll look to as that third tight end. Next question from Rod again. You can find him on Twitter at k porson at q u e p o r c i o n. The wide receiver roster prediction. And I think a lot of this might boil down to what happens at running back and tight end. If they carry at running back, assuming Sony Michelle starts this season on pulp, on pup, which is the rumor we're hearing, Michael Lombardi's out there saying they might put him on pup, keep him on the shelf for like eight weeks, not rush him back. Then you're probably looking at, you know, Harris, Burkhead, White, and JJ Taylor having spots. And then if you look at tight end, if they keep three there, when you get to wide receiver, you obviously think Slater's going to roll. Jacoby Myers, Nikhil Harry, Julian Edelman, Muhammad Sanu, they're probably locks. That's five right there. Demir Bird might have an opportunity to make this team. That might be six. If the, Do they go eight? If so, you've got guys like Will Hastings, Jeff Thomas, Gunner. Do those guys fight for one spot or two? And I think that might be the, the ultimate question here. If they go six wide receivers, then none of those guys get a spot. If they go seven, one of those guys gets one. If they go eight, two get a spot. I think in all likelihood, they probably go eight. But if they're comfortable with what they're getting at running back, and again, we're going to talk about running back slash wide receiver in a minute, maybe they really only go with the six. It might really depend on 
who they feel comfortable handling return duties, in which case Jeff Thomas and Gunner, those are probably the two guys with the best odds. Next question comes to us from Brian Kozowski at Flows, F-L-O-E-S, 420. Is using Dalton Keene as a fullback really a wise use, of, wise use of his skills, not just lining them up there occasionally be to use as an H-back, but to use him in that traditional role? If so, what percentage could he sustain physically? And I, I think... I think he's best suited as an H, not a pure fullback. I think it might be more of a situational role for him. I don't think that they're looking at him to be a full-time James Devlin clone. I think he's going to be viewed as a player that can give you some situational fullback usage more than anything else. If they have a certain package, if they have a certain design that they want to call, but they're either doing it out of 12 personnel with him on the field or they like a matchup, then yeah, you might see him lined up there. But I don't think from seeing him on film, he's somebody they're going to look at and say, okay, you're now James Devlin. Maybe I'm wrong. It's happened before, but I don't see it right now. Chuck's auto. Got a couple questions from Chuck, two of which are in the football section. First up, which tight end will have the most receiving yards for New England? I'd bet on Devin ACSC. And will that number of yards be greater than 300? That's a tougher one. You know, when you look at the Patriots last year, as I've talked about on this show and written about over at USA Today, tight end, that was a vacuum of suck. I mean, it, it wasn't great last year. And, you know, you when you draft two tight ends, you're hoping you're going to get some sort of production out of them as rookies, but rookies take longer to figure things out. Now, last year, tight end, this is what you got. And it was basically Benjamin Watson. And Benjamin Watson gave you a whopping, I mean, hold your phones here, kids, 173 yards receiving. Do I think Devin Asiasi can get you 300? Yeah. Would I bet on it? Not really. That's not. I'm not that confident in it. I think he can get there given Watson got you 173, Lacoste got you 131, add them together, woohoo! You just scrape over that number. But it's close. Hytham Winterbarden at Hytham underscore Winters. Do the Pats switch defense with all the people opting out? Maybe use Phillips as a linebacker or scheme up something to get more defensive backs on the field. I'm going to pair this with Pablo Joel at Joel Pablo. Do you think this year we will see even more use of the 3-3-5 or some equivalent? Here's how I feel about what they might do this year in terms of defense with the opt-outs they've had, particularly at the second level. I was recently provided with a copy of Brett Venable's defense, his playbook. And I asked for that on the football nerd black market for a reason. Do I think the Patriots are going to come out with a 3-1-7 defense the bulk of the time? No. Would it surprise me if they used it more than we've ever seen in the NFL? No. Do I think they're going to rely heavily on their secondary? And like Hytham kind of said, maybe guys like Phillips, it's sort of a more of a linebacker role than a traditional safety role. Yeah, I think we will. And so that's why I'm studying myself some Brent Venables this offseason when I do my nerdy football stuff before I lay my dad, my head down on the pillow. J.C. O'Shesley, Black Lives Matter, at 
CJ underscore OECH underscore art, A-R-T. What's a realistic floor ceiling for CEH with Damian Williams opting out? Look, with Williams opting out, CEH is in a perfect spot. He's an RB1, I think, in almost every format, particularly in PPR formats. They're going to throw to him a ton. He's going to see a ton of opportunities. That's an offense that's going to score points in bunches. They're going to put the ball in the air. They kept him on the field, LSU did, on passing downs last year. People are worried that he's going to be asked to block a lot. Well, he wasn't asked to block a lot last year. They trust the guys in front of Mahomes. He can handle blocking responsibilities when he's asked to do it. It's not going to be a situation where they're going to just keep him in all the time. They're going to look at him as a guy out of the backfield. And so, yeah, I think he's got RB1 potential. A floor for him, an upper-end RB2, you know, in most formats. So, yeah, I I wouldn't worry about CEH. I, I, I think you can draft him early and often. His ADP reflects the fact it, he's almost – it's almost a situation where if you have him on a dynasty, you might want to sell him now because you're going to get a ton in return. I mean, if you're talking about a situation where you can get – although I know next year's draft's going to be a little bit weird, but – if you could get like some depth at a position you need depth at, like say you're thin a wide receiver, if you could get a wide receiver one or a top flight RB wide receiver two, as well as an early pick next year, 101, 102, I'd just win it. You know, sell while you can. So, yeah, I mean, sky's the limit for, for this guy right now. Uh, Claire Cooper at Classy Claire, C L A Z Z Y C L A R E. How are the kittens doing? We'll touch on the kittens a little bit later. Um, of all the available tight ends in the league, who do you think is a good fit with Keen and our CSC? And I, I really think, Claire, that unless somebody shows up on the market, you know, if we get a surprise cut right prior to training camp, they're going to roll with the guys they have. Um, now, if, if a Jimmy Graham, for example, gets a surprise cut situation in Chicago, if you know another veteran type tight end gets a surprise cut scenario, maybe Jordan Reed. I know he just signed. Maybe that doesn't pan out. Maybe they take a flyer on somebody. I think they're going to roll with the guys that they've got. Um, you know, any either of those guys will be very intriguing. But I, I think in all likelihood they're going to roll with Keen, CSC, and then in all likelihood Izzo. Question from the Slack channel: Truck, what do you make of James White practicing with the wide receivers? And here you go, friends. I was alluding to this earlier about the running backs and the wide receivers. The Patriots obviously do their homework, and they know that from the background that he had and the offense he ran in Carolina, Newton had the opportunity to throw to a guy like Christian McCaffrey, and if there's somebody you can use in that kind of hybrid slot receiver running back role, it's James White. And I'm not surprised that this was going to be, that this is something they're doing. I thought once they signed Cam Newton, James White was going to be in that sort of Christian McCaffrey type role. And so I'm not surprised to see him practicing with the wide receivers. I think it makes a ton of sense. And I hope they use him at wide receiver a ton. I would just be overjoyed to see that. Next question comes via the text line. Yes, I got a text from a very special listener, Mom. I was wondering if you think, besides COVID, of course, that there's any other reason why so many Patriots opted out. And it is a question that a lot of people have asked when so many Patriots, you know, obviously the Patriots seem to be the team impacted most by the voluntary opt-outs if there's some sort of gamesmanship afoot. And, you know, I I think more than anything else, Belichick just trusted his guys to do what was best for them. 
You know, he's, he's talked about that. He talked about it when he had a Zoom meeting on Friday. You know, he wanted guys to make the best decisions for them and their families. You had guys like Hightower and Sean that have some family health considerations. You have Marcus Cannon, who had some personal health considerations with his non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And I think it was just one of those scenarios where guys looked at the totality of the evidence out there, the fact that we don't know everything about COVID-19 and what it does to the human body. They didn't want to run the risk. And sure, you know, it, it, it's easy to say, oh, Belichick's up to something, right? Belichick's scheming something up. And I get it. There's a lure in that. There's a lure in the idea that Belichick could be doing something behind the scenes. But I think really he, he's just, he gave his guys the freedom to do what they wanted to do. And because of the scenarios with different guys in their own lifestyles, in their own lives, they opted out. A DM from Alistair at HR Tinker from across the pond. Uh, as a fan from over the pond in the UK, hello. Love how you support your listeners with mental health. Can you see Bill Belichick making more trades for flexible payers who have worked in the Patriot system and offer positional flexibility? Thinking about positive COVID-19 tests, depleted squads, creating the shortest time to competence in preseason and things like that. And I think it's possible. I think if we see former Patriots that have been through this system fail to make rosters or become available via trade, I don't think Belichick would hesitate on bringing guys back into the fold because of that. You know, the strangeness of this season means that depth is going to be tested in ways that it's never been before. And so guys like a Deron Harmon, just hypothetically, if he becomes available, or an Alandon Roberts, if he becomes available, yeah, I think the Patriots would jump at those opportunities somehow to bring guys like that back in the fold. Because of the familiarity with the system and the fact that it won't take a ton of time to get them back up to speed. Depth is going to be critical. The teams that can do two things are going to win this year. That can get ready for games via what they do via practice without preseason games. The teams that can you know structure practices, structure training, training camp well, and get the best looks from their guys to make decisions about their roster. And the teams that have depth. The teams that address those two pillars are going to be successful, the teams that do that well. So those are the football questions. Up next, the non-football questions. And man, we've got some good ones. That's ahead on episode 125 of the Sco Show. Mark Schofield back with you now on episode 125 of the Sco Show. Going to go long today because we've got so many good questions. Um, some episodes of this show might have been done by now. We're just getting warmed up. And as I said, we got a ton of non-football questions. And we start off with a doozy from Arif Hassan at Arif Hassan NFL. How do you live with yourself? Arif coming out swinging. Arif, um, I struggle. No, I don't struggle. I'm just kidding. I No, maybe I do. Look, I have a dark, twisted sense of humor. Arif knows that from personal experience. Um, I haven't been happy for 20 years or so I joke at times I make the most of what I can on the timeline uh, certainly having two new kitties running around definitely helps and then I cry myself to sleep tonight at night every night because I'm never going to be as accomplished as a reef or even Michael kissed and it hurts sometimes it really does Jonathan Von Tobel at 
MeJVT. Question. You were abducted by aliens, taken from Earth, never to come back, but the aliens who took you in clearly cared for you, like you do for your pets. Are you terrified? Happy? How do you handle your existence? I'm absolutely terrified, man. I am absolutely terrified. Like, I don't deal with change well. And being ripped from my family, I don't care how well you treat me. I'm not going to be happy about that. And let's face it, in that kind of scenario, unless it's like a V, that's an old, that's a throwback there, kids. But unless it's like a V type setting where, you know, we're abducted, but there's like groups of us on these ships and we all know we're all humans and there's like hope at some point that we can like uprise. No, I'm not going to be ecstatic about this at all. Look up V kids. I remember when that debuted. Oh man, as a 10 year old kid, like I was all over that. You look back at it now, some of those episodes, the the special effects were so bad. But V, yeah, good show. Another question from Rod Zorick at K Person, Q-E-P-O-R-C-I-O-N. When do you think the world will go back to pre-COVID? Is that even possible? And it's a hard question to answer. Um, I do think that life has certainly changed. Um, and I, I don't see how we get back to any semblance of what, how things used to be with concerts and dining indoors, bars and things like that, um, until there's a proven vaccine that's widely available that is, I guess, on par with the flu vaccine where it can at least work from year to year. I know there's some concerns about the longevity of any COVID-19 vaccine right now. They're thinking maybe three to four months of a lifespan for it. Or like therapeutics that we know are tested and proven. And I know there's some thoughts on different, you know, different kinds of drugs and steroids that can be tried in certain scenarios um, but we're still learning this disease. We're, we're still trying to figure out what it does to the human body. And we're still seeing anecdotal evidence of even those that make quote unquote full recoveries struggle with myocarditis, um, you know, inflammation of the heart lining. For example, we're seeing long-term lung damage. There's concerns about head and brain damage as a result of this. And so until we get as a global community, our minds wrapped around what this virus actually does and how to treat it and potentially create vaccinations against it, I don't think we get to a pre-COVID lifestyle. I, I think we live with the adjustments, masks, social distancing. I, I know it can be annoying. I was walking around the other day, got the glasses and the mask on. It's getting all fogged up. I know it's frustrating. Um, it, I was at our neighborhood pool, which has opened with reduced capacity and you have to reserve times and you have to bring your own stuff and everybody has to be social distanced and wear masks and all that stuff. And they have a little camp for, you know, kids and seeing all these little like first graders with their backpacks and their masks and some of them wearing like face shields. It's heartbreaking. And, you know, my own children, they're getting ready to go back to school and it's going to be virtual learning here in where I live in Maryland. And I know that they're, we haven't even told them yet because it's going to be devastating. They're going to be devastated. 
you know, we have a rising first grader, a rising fourth grader. Um, thankfully, in the neighborhood I live in, that we live in as a family, he's got classmates that live on the street. My daughter has friends and classmates that live on the street. So we're able to still let the kids go outside and they play together, um, social distance if they have to, um, you know, if there's been traveling and things like that. But we've all kind of bubbled ourselves on this street for the most part. But we're lucky. Not every family has that. Um, there are a lot of kids that, you know, need to go back to school. There's concerns about, you know, side effects and repercussions of not going back to school. So it's just a lot that we're grappling with as a global community. Um, and I know there's been a lot of talk this week about playing college football. And we all wanted to see college football in the fall. And I know people that are going to be directly impacted and lose jobs as a result of decisions to postpone the season to the spring in the Big Ten and the Pac-12. And it's, it's depressing. It's honestly depressing. I mean, there are times where I'm sure for some of you, you log on to Twitter, you read the internet, you turn on the TV, you turn on radio, wherever, and it's just, you know, is this real life? It's, it's like that David goes to the dentist video, except it's not anesthesia. It's a global pandemic. And is this really what we're living in? But it is, and we try to make the most of it. And hopefully for 40 minutes or so, twice a week, I help you in some way. And if not, send me a DM and tell me how I can do it better. Um, but I know it's hard. It's hard for everybody. Um, it's hard because I haven't hugged my parents in a long time. It's hard because now I'm wondering. I I love Thanksgiving. I love doing all. I love hosting it. We, my, my wife and I, we host it every year. Um, we do all the cooking. I love it. I live for it. Like I started thinking about a Thanksgiving menu literally in August. I've, I've already started thinking about, it. I don't know if we're going to get to do it. You know, I, I don't know if we're going to be able to have all the family up again. You know, haven't hugged my in-laws, haven't my niece and nephew. Um, it, it's hard. It, it's been hard on everybody. And I know that. Um, and, and sometimes when you know, I gripe about things or I log on to Twitter and I'll make witty references about how it's miserable it is or I'll post that picture of Jonathan Swan. Um, it, I'm trying to make light of it. We're all dealing with it, perhaps with a little gallows humor at times. But it is hard. Um, it is nice when I see people like Rod and, you know, people from around the world tuning in. It, it at least makes it seem like I'm doing something. People like Alistair and others that have reached out. Um but I know it's been hard for everybody. And I know we all wanted to get back to life pre-COVID. And hopefully we do soon. Um, next question from Chuck Zotta at Zotta Zone. What is your preferred type of grass seed? Now, first of all, if there's a an award show for podcasts and there's an award for best transition or perhaps most interesting transition, going from COVID-19 to, to grass seed during a football podcast it's got to be a nominee, I think. And for me, having researched it, I'm looking at my saved bookmarks in Chrome right now. And I've got things about preparing the lawn for winter and Scott's Turf Builder Grass Seed Heat Tolerant Blue Mix for tall fescue lawns. It's literally Chuck saved in my bookmarks toolbar tall fescue uh, kentucky bluegrass and tall fescue are the two most popular 
varieties of grass down here in the Mid-Atlantic Maryland area. And I have found that tall, I've had much more success with tall fescue, um, particularly um, Scott's has a great contractor's mix that I, I swear by. I've had the ability, there's, I've given up on it, but the new house we moved into, there's a stretch along side where it, it's sloped a little bit. It's in the shade basically 24 hours a day and it gets constant runoff of water anytime it rains. And so when we moved in, it was like basically rocks and dirt. And I was like, I'm just going to try. And sure enough, that mix, boom, grass grew like in the span of a week. It was like, perfect it was beautiful and then once the thunderstorm season sort of set in like we had a big thunderstorm roll through tonight wednesday night like all of it like washed away so it can't stay there but that scott's like contractor tall fescue mix i swear by it i also swear about mowing tall gotta mow tall i'm a big fan of leaving the clip-ins as fertilizer when you mow I also believe in feeding it with the Scots. I've got the spray in the summer, the fall, the winter, all four varieties of the, of that sort of feed. You, you do it you know, every month or so, maybe every two months. Um, but Tall Fescue, big fan. Uh, Thomas Murphy at Murph 207 Have you bought a cat tree yet? No, we've bought two, Tom. We've got one in the family room with a cat, so that's basically been their cat room. And we've got one that's in the living room where my wife and I, where everybody watches TV and stuff, we've got one in there as well. So yeah, we've, we're going to get more too. Um, going overboard for these two little kitties. Rockpile Report, Chris and Drew at Rockpile Report. Do you ever get the sense that you might be the Dr. Cox to our JD and Turk? And well, you see there, Felicity and Marjorie, you know, here I was for the longest time thinking that after all of these years of knowing each other, that you two would fa ha 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 finally figure out how to handle a podcast of your own without coming to me perhaps every two to three weeks saying, look, our show, we're struggling. Can you please come on and save us from ourselves? But here I am yet again being asked by both of you two girls to sort of rise from the ashes and carry you. Am I going to keep doing it? Ron, 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 Ron. Look, that, I thought that was my best Dr. Cox. But no, I'm, I, I've never really actually thought about that, but the chance to do a quick Dr. Cox, I, I was excited about that. Question from Matt Waldman, at Matt Waldman on Twitter. Is it true you have a death wish? I do believe that is a reference to the new cats, and perhaps... You know, maybe this gets back to the question from a reef. How do I live with myself? Maybe I'm trying not to. Maybe in some back recess of my mind, these two new kittens are a way to tap into what I had with our previous cat who, as you've seen on Twitter, tried to kill me and almost did. So maybe I am tapping into that. Maybe I do have a death wish. Dude Party Man at Double China 7, the number 7 at Double China 7. Great route concept. If you were COVID-19, would you infect yourself? That's a bit of philosophy. You know, I think I think you would have to. I mean, because your, your entire purpose is to continually spread yourself. And so I think by definition, you would have to infect yourself. Although I'm not going to... I could probably spend another 20 minutes on that one. Bust out some philosophy books like I have over my shoulder. But I'm going to move on because now I'm getting into a dark place. My name's Matt, but you can call me Matub. 
at CallMeMatub on Twitter, C-A-L-L-M-E-M-A-T-U-B on the old Bird app. Would you rather never see a Scrubs reference directed at you ever again or never listen to Africa Bite Toto again? And I would 100% rather go without Africa for the rest of my life than to have people stop with the Scrubs references. Because, look, not only is it a great show, as I've talked about, but the interaction with people, especially during this time, it's nice. You know, and it does warm my heart anytime, you know, Scrubs pops up in the timeline and I get people interacting with me as a result or, you know, even with Africa, you know, people sending me clips of them singing at karaoke and stuff like that. When Burned got married, you know, there were people sitting at his wedding, shout out Burned from Pat's pulpit. You know, that, that inter- interaction and stuff, it warms my heart. It's pretty cool. And it makes me feel pretty cool when I can be like, hey, and like show my wife the phone and be like, people are in like Austria right now, sitting in Africa and thinking of me. How, how cool is that? It's very cool. And I will say, you know, when I retweet a Scrubs GIF, you know, a Scrubs GIF, you know, auto retweet, and Zach Braff likes it himself on the old Bird app, that's cool too. So the interaction is key. So yeah, I'd, I'd rather never hear Africa again as long as I can keep getting interactions like that. Mike Riddleman at M-R-I-T-T 9140, who runs the College Gridiron Showcase. You can follow that account at C-G-S All-Star. May I have a polite request for a shout-out for at Reese Draft, who is Owen Reese, on getting a scouted assistant gig with the College Gridiron Showcase. And you can follow Owen, my other son Owen, my bigger son Owen, at Reese Draft, at R-I-E-S-C-D-R-A-F-T, and of course, look, massive get for the College Gridiron Showcase to get Owen, one of the smartest offensive line people I know. Literally, when I have an offensive line question, I turn to two people, Brandon Thorne and Owen. And that that's it. And not necessarily in that order. And Owen has been kind enough on more than one occasion to literally hop on a FaceTime or a Zoom or a Skype and like walk me through stuff. And of course, he has one of the best Senior Bowl stories of all time. It was at a Senior Senior Bowl where Nick LaDuca was doing some linebacker drills and he couldn't get it right. And the linebacker coach for the Denver Broncos was like, if you can't get this right, F the draft, you might as well go home right now. And Owen was watching that drill and relayed that story to the rest of us. One of the funniest things I've ever heard down in Mobile. And... Look, Owen's a, a legitimately one of the best people. He has a podcast, Packers, Buck, Badgers stuff. Um, again, follow him on Twitter, at Reese Draft. Owen's one of the best people I've met through this entire thing. Very good Call of Duty player, by the way. Had a great incident the other night running some Call of Duty with Owen, with Michael Kiss, Benjamin Solak. We were working our way through the map. And I just picked up a heartbeat sensor and I wanted to switch to that. And I hit RB, but I hadn't switched to it yet. So I threw a grenade as the four of us were moving. Grenade goes off. Kiss is like, what was that? He's like losing his mind. And Owen, who was like right behind me, he's like, well, considering Mark didn't flinch uh, when that happened, I'm, I'm guessing we don't have to worry about it. So yeah, shout out Owen for that. Shout out Owen, generally speaking, one of my favorite dudes on the planet. Um, that will do it. That will do it for the mailback show. You guys brought it today. Um, 
ran a little long, but it was good. It was fun. It was cathartic in a sense. Listen, um, we're getting training camp stuff now, so I'm actually going to have some quote-unquote film to watch. Um, so when we get back on the air for Monday's show, I'm going to have some thoughts on what I'm seeing from training camp. I'm going to spend my weekend sort of studying training camp footage. That's where we are right now. That's the These are the times we're living in. Um, but we're going to make the most of it together. Um, and look, again, look, I know these are strange times. If there's anything I can do to help anybody, um, I know I've, I owe some people some DMs, and I'm going to get to that this week. Um, reach out for whatever reason. If I can help, I'd be glad to. If I can't help, I'll tell you that. I'll try to find a way I can. Um, we'll get through this together. Hand in there, everybody. Stay safe. Check in on your loved ones. Wash those hands. And when you do, sin along. It's proven. It's scientific. It's science, people. And as you sin that course, it will save lives. And you can bless those Patriots' reigns. Down and fall.